Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today I'm speaking to Luella Bartley, the fashion designer, enduringly cool London girl and brains behind probably at least half of the things in your wardrobe. She was a key player in London's legendary creative scene during the 90s, inspired a generation of pretty dress-wearing girls with her eponymous label Luella and the Giselle bag she designed for Mulberry. She also spent some years designing the Mark by Mark Jacobs line with her friend Katie Hillier, with whom she now co-designs the label Hillier Bartley and is currently the creative director of Calvin Klein Jeans. Married to the photographer David Sims, with whom she has three children, she divides her time between her studio at the Rochelle School in London's Shoreditch and her home in Cornwall. Hillier Bartley is very much one thing. It's very British, it's very luxury, and um, it's a sort of, it's a really, really personal project. And it's all the stuff that I want to wear as a woman, and it's all quite grown up and womanly, and yeah. a bit odd, and a bit sort of fetishistic, and, you know, yeah. I love that part of Hillier yeah, Bartley. Yeah. And then Calvin is very much, it's, I can still satisfy the youth-obsessed side of me. Yeah. You know, it's much younger, it's much more, it's, it's, it's very experimental, but it's about jeans, yeah. it's about denim, you know, and that's the kind of... So you're, is, is, you oversee the denim yeah. for Calvin Klein, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, oversee all the denim. But on many different levels, you know, it can go from, from you know, the 205 collection, they've actually given me a line which is sort of in between, and then you've got the main line jeans. Right. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot. There's, um, so what's the line that you look at? What's the bit that you look at? Oh, I see. Yeah. When's it coming out? July. Oh, right. That will yeah. be the first collection. Yeah. That was yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah. What, has it got a special... Has it got a name? It's called Established 1978. Okay. <laughs> is it, can you talk about what the vibe... Like, what's the... What's, is it a uh, 70s feel to it with that name? Or oh, no, no. Yeah. That's just when Kevin Klein Jeans was established. Oh, yeah, of course. So they've all got... So 205 is the name of the collection, of yeah. the runway collection. And that's... 205 is where... Is the address. Where, you know, where it's been forever... Established 1978 is when Kevin Klein was established. Okay. And uh, Kevin Klein Jeans was established. Yes, I should know that because I've just finished and, uh, reading that um, Richard Avedon biography where oh, really? he and where he like discovers Brooke Shields and yeah. puts her yeah. in the jeans, and that was yeah. then. And she was are they are they sort of in, is it like we use that? That's quite a big part of um, of the established collection. We've got that image. We've done quite a lot with that image. Yeah. So. So exciting! No, look out for great. that. It's great, it's, and it's good because they're so different. It's very easy, and it's actually more than easy. It's actually kind of really beneficial to each other because you get a little bit tired of that one, you can go on to that one, and then you know, and you're really ready to move into a different kind of compartments. Yeah, is it's it quite nice? Is it like yeah? I guess it's like an antidote, isn't it? Being able to switch. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's. Yeah, completely. Um, and so I've been looking at... Can I talk about these clothes that are yes. hanging here as well? As well? These are all so the old samples, that's all. but yes. 
It's so incredible, that leopard print. Has it changed from when you first launched, the look and feel of it, or is it, it quite... It has as... evolved a bit. I think when we first started, Katie and I had this idea of doing something that was really quite... quite it was quite a simple idea, and it was just having these pieces that were... that were about... Um, longevity and the classic pieces that you always want to wear and made beautifully hand finished and really exercising that part that I haven't really played with so much in my career you know I had Luella which was young and fun and Mark by Mark you know it's all been quite a similar demographic and so to do this was just pure pleasure to dress ourselves as we had grown up I mean, really, the Hilia Bartley woman could easily be the Luella girl who's just now 40, you know, so... Um, what do you... So we wanted it to be quite, sorry, wanted uh, to be quite sort of essential-based in a way, but very beautiful. And I think through the last kind of three years, we've, been, we've become much more playful with it, and, it's, and it has become more fashion because we can't help ourselves. And I like that sort of the oddity and the kind of arch, you know, there's a weirdness to it, there's that kind of, that the flip side to it, the, the bit that makes it, the sort of contrast, I suppose, that makes it not just a beautiful coat, that makes it a bit off and a bit more, you know, a bit more interesting. Is that quite a, um, that's, is that sort of quite a British thing, would you say, to give it a bit of quirkiness or something that would stop it going too much down a sort of quite traditional classical route yeah probably I think and it's also I think it's you know it's what's around you at the time I feel like um, that you know when we started it that kind of thing didn't really exist and now it's like good taste has become a bit of a formula and I naturally want to push against that kind of falsehood because, you know, I don't think people, that there's, there's, you know, there's certain things out there that I don't necessarily think are true to someone's nature. And for me, you know, it's, it's contrariness, it's a kind of naughtiness, and I feel like it's important to have these beautiful pieces, but also there's a nod to something else. There's, you know, and, and it's, it's like that sort of silent language, you know, it's... Um, it's really hard yeah. to explain. No, totally. Just... I, I know what you're saying. And is it, um, do you guys start from a, with a completely blank canvas for each collection? Or where do you go to get inspiration? No, or is there a do. continuing thread that you're always building on? I think there's definitely, a th I think it's, it, although I say it's evolved, I don't think it's changed particularly. Um, it's, it's always had this, you know, it's, all, it, it's kind of about contrariness and the mix between things. So it's always had this idea of, you know, Katie Hillier and I have always been tomboys. And we come from a generation of girls that, you know, is, is you don't sort of, you grow, you, we're sort of the first generation, I feel, to grow up in the way we're growing up, which is quite grungy you know we don't we want you want to be more womanly when you're over 40 because you know it doesn't always suit you to have no makeup and crappy hair and a really dirty t-shirt and dirty jeans but you still want that element of it um and so that's always been in there that kind of mix between masculine and feminine and the kind of the clash between the two has always been there 
the mix between sort of high culture and low culture, that sort of real working class thing mixed with that quite aristocratic thing, all very British, you know. And I think, I think essentially it's about contrariness and contrariness is very, very British. You know, some, if some, we're, especially in British fashion as well, I think if something's in, it's immediately out and then everyone hates being cool and it, you know, you're always trying to run away from what people want to call you. And so it's that kind of thing. So it's always been that. Um, that feels quite punk, that contrariness. Well, I suppose that's always that's in all of our sort of... Um, it's, it's what we look at, isn't it? It's all the, the research, the, the history. You know, we're so lucky here to have such incredible subcultural history. And I'm obsessed with subcultures. And you can put that, that still, although there's a lot of that in the work I do for Kevin Klein. Which, what's interesting is that's very American. And British subculture is in this. And what I like is having something that's a really beautiful cashmere coat, but it's got an element, a subcultural element somewhere in it, whether it's the button or the, the, the tie. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's in there. It's mm. the shoulder or it's the, you know, so it's having that sort of just slightly messed up. It's like um, in the collection, in the, in the Hillier Bartley collection that's on Matches Fashion website at the moment, um, which I was looking at, there are those white PVC, I don't know if they are PVC, but they look like PVC they latex roll-up stockings. Oh, yeah, they are. You stockings. mean the high summer one? Yeah, 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 yeah they're stockings, yeah. And they have that sort of fetishistic... Yeah. But they feel it's quite... They're white, so it's, that's yeah, a bit really of a contrast odd, in itself. They? I mean, we don't, we've started that. In fact, we've... Um, the people that made them for us, House of Harlot, we're going to work with on a special collection for the Matches Townhouse, which will be really nice. And we're working with them again for the next collection. But kind of they doing... sort of House of Harlot, they specialise in lurex and fetishes, fetish wear. Yes, yeah. but we're doing kind of um, we want to do kind of really normal pieces of clothing in it. And, you know, and it's, yeah. it's that kind of mix again. Um, yeah, so there's. So there's always that you know, the high summer is kind of this really pretty, beautiful, um, you know, the kimonos and the silk knickers, and you know, it's it's all quite soft. And so to put that with with slightly fetish, fetishistic rubber, <laughs> not the easiest word, yeah, <laughs> yeah, gives a bit of an edge. Um, so um, this is the your cabinet. Yes. And um, I know you, you couldn't decide. <laughs> really hard. Couldn't decide what to put in what there. What was really funny, as I said to the, everyone in there, because I've been deliberating on it since I spoke to you last yeah. week. And um, and then, of course, I come in like half an hour before I think, going, what do I like? <laughs> Tell me what I like. And I had two things written down. One was riding and one was Chow Bella, which is my favourite restaurant. And I went and, and I said, what do I like? And they both went, oh, riding and chow bella. <laughs> that was it. It's like, oh, is that it? That's the sum total of my um, non-work life. So which one do you want to talk about first? Eating pasta and riding horses. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, riding, I, I, I feel like I definitely, that is something I would associate with you just from your designs in the past you've referenced it. in fact your first I know, wasn't your first collection been. called Daddy I Want a Pony was that the first collection? first Luella collection was called um, Daddy I Want a Pony because I never got one <laughs> very expensive <laughs> but I got one later on in life did you? do you have one now? I don't have one at the moment when I lived in Cornwall do you still ride? yes I try and ride a lot I try and ride a couple of times a week wow um, where do you, well, where do you ride? three times a week actually that's the problem it's in Essex out in Essex and it takes a good like hour and a half to get to but 
I have a really amazing trainer there, so it's worth it's worth the hour and a half in the car. Which also links to another yeah. a <laughs> life of mine. So because I spend a lot of time in the car, one of my absolute favourite is audiobooks. So then I can read on the way to riding, ride my horse, and then read on the way back. Multitasking. Because I never... Uh, time is... Uh, you know, time would be my ultimate thing. Because you just never have enough time to do what you want to do, you know? Which it's, books are you... What have you been listening to recently? Uh, I'm just finishing Bleeding Heart by Marilyn French, which she's my favourite author. Do they and read... I, does she read it herself? She, no, that one's not read, read. But then with my son... I'm reading um, Philip Pullman, the trilogy, you know, Northern Lights. And um, he reads it. Philip Pullman reads it. So that's really cool. Um, and a lot, a lot of the, the authors book? do read them. It's three. I can't remember. Mm. It's the Book of Dust, But they is it? read the whole entire book. Yeah. Because I'm sure I downloaded one yes. once and it was like a summary version. <laughs> I think well, it was Middlemarch. I was like, I'm finally going to read Middlemarch. And it was almost like summaries of each chapter, and then I realised that I hadn't. And then, I of course, do I ruined find it. that it's easier to digest more challenging books through your ears. Well, that maybe that's just me. I'm quite, you know, I, I, it's. I find it easier to digest like that rather than reading. So um, actually, reading. And you, when do you ever get a chance? I don't know. In my, you know, in my hat here. No. I, Obviously not at work, that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got my audio book on. <laughs> no, I mean actual reading. When I'm at home, you never, I never get to, you know, it just doesn't happen. So this, so, so I've turned the car into like a sort of safe, lovely, comfortable reading space. So, you know, that's, mm. that's quite nice. That was another one. So how, how come you're driving so much? Well, riding is, out in is Essex. far away, yeah. out in Essex. Um, I don't know, I'd have to, I'm, so, um, you know, it's just one of those things, you find yourself in the car mm. all the time, and you've got to kind of make use of that time. I mean, it sounds crazy to have to make use of, so, you know, to, to have yeah, but I think that's all totally your makes sense. moments accounted for with an activity, but... That's kind of that's where the, we're at the moment, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you're there's not, not much time for emails. dreaming. Dreaming should be a good one. Yeah, there, dreaming's it? a really good one. Because um, don't know. do much of that. Don't daydream. Did you used to? I used to daydream. What was it like in London before phones and social media? Because I was going to ask you about that as well, because obviously you're sort of quite, you know, you were here in the 90s at the height yeah. of London cool. Um, and I know you lived in West London, Notting Hill, was it? Yeah. With um, Justine Frischman and yeah. MIA. Yes. <laughs> so, like... You know, well, that wasn't in the 90s, actually. That was in the 2000s. But, um, but I did... Because uh, I, I went to St Martin's in 1990. Um, and actually, yeah, St Martin's 1990. I left early in 92. And then... Why did you leave? I, went, I got a job. I, went to, I had work experience at The Standard. And, uh, and it just suited me more. I liked working. So I stayed. They offered me a job and I stayed. And actually, I lived with Katie Grand through, through the 90s in, in a flat in Maddox Street, just opposite Liberty. We are like, we thought Liberty was our corner shop. We loved it. We were the coolest girls. That is being the coolest girls. <laughs> Couldn't buy milk, though. Didn't have a, yeah. In fact, we didn't have a kitchen. The flat had everything except a kitchen. So we sort of kept the milk and the 
vodka in the bath. <laughs> so glamorous. And probably, probably some quite glamorous. nice clothes. Um, what was London like then? Brilliant. It really was. It was such fun. I had such fun. Um, it's funny because that's that's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, hopefully, with the townhouse when we do the talks, where it is about people's stories of London and you know the different eras of London. Because um, I am fascinated by the eras of London, you know, I and and I feel really lucky to have been in London in the nineties. You know, I talk because of my and my husband Dave. I always, you know, I feel like they were creating what we loved. Then, you know, I wasn't really a student in the nineties, and I wasn't. Well, I suppose now I was at the Standard and at Vogue towards the end. But I was always looking at what him and his contemporaries were doing, you know, and I thought they were the coolest people in the world. That's David Sims. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, we were just sort of, we were just, it was what just was... sort of wild and you really thought, it, nobody really thought about career or money or responsibility or what was going to happen in 10 years' time. That, you know, it was just, it was about creativity. It was about career and the fact that we want to create something cool. It was no more than that. And I think we were very lucky because we didn't have student loans and we didn't have um, massive debt and, and it, you, didn't, you didn't need to produce anything polished early on in your career and you weren't judged. Uh, I don't think you felt... In me, uh, it didn't feel quite so judgmental. I don't know. It, it kind of there was um, there was a lot more openness to sort of random creativity and making mistakes and and there was no social media and there was no photographers at parties and there was no you know we I remember Kate and I would go to all the parties <laughs> you know like a fashion party and get drunk and maybe be silly and you know that was fine that that was not recorded. But now, I think you have to be on your guard the whole time and, uh, and then think about the future all the time, think about your debt or think about your career or, you know, and, and it's, it's just not as free. And, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure, I, I think, that, but also through adversity, and this is also a very British thing, and that would be another, they're, they're all, all coming, coming now, thick and fast now, is that idea of adversity and... You know, British culture does really well in times of adversity, and you can see there's a lot of creativity in London fashion at the moment, or in London in general. And I guess they're fighting against all of their own restrictions. You know, mm. I don't really know. I'm like a 40 year old woman now, and I don't really know what goes on. I don't really know what goes on at night time in London, <laughs> so I never go out. <laughs> what? But, um, you know, it's it's. What do you think about social media? You're on Instagram. I am. I'm on Instagram, but I'm really half-heartedly on Instagram. Hillier Bartley's on Instagram, but that's because the young people in the studio do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we do it, you know, I contribute to it. And we have a lot of fun with the Hillier Bartley Instagram. We had, um, you know, we did for our advent, we had, um, you know, we did uh, inspirational women. And then for New Year, we had drunk rock stars, you know. And then you do these kind of... it's. It's fun. The Hilly Bunny mm. Instagram is really good fun. I, I struggle more with the personal one. 
sort of, because I don't quite know why I'm doing it. If I could work out why I was doing it. I know why I do Hillier Bartley, because I want everyone to understand the brand. And, and it's amazing for the brand, because it means that people can, can have a direct connection to you and see everything you're thinking about, which I think is brilliant. But I don't need a direct, I have, you know, I don't want a direct connection to the world for me personally. So, but I do do it. And I do look at how many likes I've got. And I do, you know, you're like, yeah. why? Why do I care? So, you know, and I, and, um, I enjoy it sometimes. And then and, and I haven't done, I don't think I've posted anything for months. But then I'll get really into it again and start posting loads. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting what you're saying about dreaming and, and if that was in your cabinet, which I think it should be. Got a lot um, now, haven't I? What <laughs> about... <laughs> it's filling up. Um, we've got lots of space. What would... Um, just dreaming and if you think about it being an inspiring thing, what do you... Is there something that, that you could do that is that you do to, like, get inspired, whether it's, I don't know, go for a walk or... I know you mentioned riding, but we'll go to a gallery... Um, Your frame of reference seems very broad. Um, I mean, I can't. I I don't. Some well, I kind of I go on sort of binges. I suppose inspiration binges. I kind of don't do anything for ages, and then I'll feel really bereft and 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 need to do you know two or three solid days of just going to art galleries and sort of filling up again. Um, but it's, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't really always come from books or art galleries or music or, it used to. Um, it used to be very kind of, used to be a real sort of culture junkie, you know, but um, now, now it comes from much more sort of disparate places and my children actually have given me quite a lot, especially Kit, he's nearly 15 and he... Um, he makes me laugh. You know, he's really into fashion as well. He makes me laugh. Is he your but, oldest? Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, so many collections have come from him. I remember when we did Mark by Mark, the motocross, all of that motocross, that all came from him and the girls that were at his motocross club. And, uh, and I remember ages ago, I did a Luella sort of surf collection and that came from him. And, you know, it's, it's, you sort of just pick up from what's around you, I suppose. It, Hillier Bartley is not really... It's You get very inspired by... Um, there's quite a lot of art, art, artistic influences, I think, in Hillier Bartley, but it's much more personal. It's not, don't sort of go out and hunt it. It's, mu mm. it's more of a sort of thought process. Do you collect art? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I don't really. I'd love to, but I can't afford it. I've got my Dave years and years ago. Dave bought me a really big um, Rita Ackerman uh, ink drawing that's really beautiful, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. nice. <laughs> I'd love to buy art. <laughs> Let's go around all day buying art. Which gal which so which, which galleries do you recommend? Um, I, I do. Do you know my favourite gallery? And it's not small, and it's it's actually a museum, but it's the Tate Britain. I think Tate Britain is. I love the Tate Britain. I, I, I'd go to the Tate Britain over the Tate Modern every day. I just sometimes I think those big spaces can sometimes feel a little. It's, it's like the 
they could be like an airport. You know, sometimes you go into a lounge and it's got this, you know, it gets so crowded though, don't you think? So crowded, and I find it really. I, I never remember that thing of of going to a gallery. You know, I'd always go on like on a Saturday or something and walk straight in. Never queued or booked tickets, or and it really messes me up actually because every I never book tickets. Um, but then you know, I just I'd, I'll do like. You know, all the Mayfair, you know, do like a Victoria Mirror and Maureen Paley and, you know, all that kind of, um, which I love. I think they're incredible galleries. Have you seen that Picasso one? No. Tate Modern? No. No. I'm waiting to take the children because it's the kind of one that's good for kids, but they keep putting it off. (laughs) (laughs) Don't they want to go? I think I'd ruined it. I think with kids, you can push them into things too much and I did that when they were three do you have three kids? Yeah. When they were little I dragged them around art galleries a lot and now they're very resistant. Although, you know, they're they're really into into art, but they won't go to galleries. And it can only be because I forced them around. Do you do <laughs> those Do you ever do those audio guides? You know, you walk around and you see no, people walk around with No, them. never done those. I don't, I can't, I can't, I don't, I like my own pace. Because sometimes I just want, I can do it in 20 minutes and sometimes I can. I took them to that Basquiat one actually, they loved that one. Oh yeah, the Barbican. That was good. I like Barbican, I live quite close to the Barbican. I do love the Barbican. It's good for kids as well because they can run around, it's quite yeah. enclosed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how many things have we got in your cabinet? It's getting quite full. Was there anything else you wrote down? <laughs> I wrote down, yes, another place, um, place called St Nectin's Glen in Cornwall, but it's actually Rocky Valley, and, and it's a very witchy... Oh, I just thought of another one. <laughs> Witches. <laughs> Witches, the Witches Museum in, in Boscastle is one of my favourite places in the world. It's fantastic. What is it? It's a tiny museum full of witchery, and... Uh, Wizards, witches, um, druids, you know, that's very... Because apparently, Cornwall's very, very magical. And I lived there for seven years. And uh, I used to... Yeah, I used to... And because that, that's where... Then there was another Luella collection, the witches collection, that came from living in Cornwall. So it's kind of weird the way where you get your inspiration from. But, um, yes, the Witches Museum is, is one to go and see. Never heard yes, of it. Sounds I haven't amazing. been for a few years actually. I used to go a lot, and I haven't been for a few years. I'm, I'm going to go back this summer. Do they have? But it's uh, which exhibitions and is it? It's really tiny, and they have. It's. I, I wish I could explain it better, but I, I I've kind of forgotten. But um, there's a lot. There's a lot of very strange pieces, symbols. It really, it's it's fascinating. Can't explain it properly, but but anyone who's in in the vicinity of Boss Castle yeah. should definitely go. It's fantastic. So that was another one, but that wasn't on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I had. I think though. No, I think that's probably it. Was was it Cornwall you were sort of talking about? Cornwall. As a well, it was Rocky Valley, which is um, basically you can go once you get to Rocky Valley, you can either go inland and you get to the most incredible waterfall. Um, and it's where people have left all sorts of strange little uh, um, givings or little, left little ribbons. It's, it's 
beautiful, really, really magical place. And if you turn left and then you go towards the sea, it's the most epic walk down to the most epic cliffs. And so you can get all kind of like the magical, weird um, hermitage if you go one way and then the incredible epic cliffs of Cornwall. Mm. So the other nice. Way, do you, is, do you, you don't live there anymore? You don't, yeah. you don't no, miss we it? still have our house there. So you go there? Yeah, yeah, we go there all our holidays, pretty mm. much. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an incredible place. Okay. Not very easy to commute to, though. No, I was going to say. <laughs> Quite a long drive if you're driving. Yeah, it's a bit tricky. <laughs> you need, like, a personal plane or something for that. Um, and who are your... I was going to ask as well, who are your heroes? Oh, God, I hate that question, because I have so many. <laughs> I have, like, ten a day. Who's today? Today. Who is today? Um... Do you think about heroes in um, oh God, when you're designing? Anyone. When people ask me questions like that, my mind goes completely. Well, do you have blank. a person in mind? Do you have a recurring muse for either Hilly Bartley or the Calvin? Um, not really. No. I mean, we always uh, we always love Sarah Lucas. We're obsessed with Sarah Lucas and, and Hilly Bartley. You know, we've gone, we've taken inspiration from her art and the way she dresses and her. Do you know um, her? A little bit. What's she, she like? I'm a total yeah. stalker. Because I just keep going she, how great she is. Was she on the... Were you part, was she part of your circle no. in the 90s? No, not really. I wasn't really... She was more living around here, wasn't she? Yeah, I think that was more... Um, no, I wasn't... In the 90s, I should say I that we're really actually that recording in your scene. studio. Yes. In, East, in Shoreditch. I haven't mentioned that. Um, <laughs> Surrounded by your amazing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no... No, but she is. She, she's definitely an inspiration. Um, Does she know she is? Have I, you told her? Oh yeah, all the time. Oh. <laughs> she <thinks> I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> and Margot, you know Margot who runs the canteen here. Yes, Margot is, Henderson. Yeah, we love. So I we mean, are. We did Rush, a whole... So we, I should probably explain where we're sitting yeah. then. So we're in the Rochelle. School. School. And there's the Rochelle canteen, which is. Yes. So one side so, is your office. Yes, and I've, I mean, this is another one for me because Russia has been part of me for so many years because I, um, <coughs> I, I, I know the guy that, that bought it originally and... Who's um, that? James Moores. And he... Uh, so we've been in here since the very, very beginning. And but I can't remember what year that was, but it was a very, very different place. It was really dodgy. There was kind of um, crazy security. I think it was just me, Steve Mackey and Giles had a studio and it's sort of whitewashed but there were squatters and, you know, it was a very, very different thing. And slowly I've just seen it transformed and kind of grown with it. And, you know, first I had Luella in here over in the, the studio opposite the one I'm in now. And, you know, then left for a few years and then came back and did Hilly and Bartley in that studio. We did Mark by Mark in the other studio over there. And, you know, it's always been part of everything I do. And the fa and Margot has been here from very early on as well. Um, not, not always with the canteen, but it's just turned into such an incredible space. And, you know, the plants that she has outside and, the sp you know, and the, it's just such a, such a sort of happy place, this whole building it's been a really it's been wonderful how do you feel about the um gentrification process that's happened 
in the area? Do you know what's really embarrassing? I don't know the area very well. <laughs> I just come here and go home, and I don't really, I don't really explore Shoreditch very much. It's not, it's not, um, it's not my place. Here is, but I don't really. I mean, the, the the kids in the studio find me absolutely hilarious. You take me like five minutes away from here. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> but and it's strange, you know. And I mean. That's not true. In the 90s, we used to spend lots of time in Old Street and at the bricklayers and, you know, all of that. And that was really, really good fun. And I miss, the, you know, it was, it was a bit dodgy and it was very raw and it was really good fun. And it's, I don't think it's that anymore. Um, and I suppose, you know, the sort of globalisation of everything, it, you know, it looks like New York to me. It looks like anywhere. So, you know, that, it, that's a shame. But it's inevitable, I guess. It's a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much. It's lovely, to, lovely to speak to you. Thank you very much. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening. Bye.